I knew it. What's up, everybody? You're listening to an On Sunday episode of the Canby Christian Church podcast. That's the episode where three pastors of the church get together in a dank basement on a Monday and talk about what happened on Sunday. I am Cody. I'm Aaron. And I'm Rob. And we're the pastors of the church, and we are glad that you tuned in to listen. Hopefully, this is a great conversation where you learn a little more about the church, about us, and about the Bible. Uh, let's learn about Rob. Rob? What, what'd you do this week? Uh, this week, <clears throat> we actually went out to, I want to say it's Bauman's Farm. Bauman Farm. Bauman. Yeah. What My, is it? I don't know. It is not too far away. It's like uh, towards Salem. Not quite all that way down there. I don't know exactly. Do you know where it is? What's, I literally city? have no idea. I, it's I, off. Maybe I've been there. I can't remember. I've heard of it a ton. but It's got a great little like gardening shop and they have like food and okay. all kinds of tchotchkes. Okay, cool. And then they have a, a ton of like, you know, they do a bunch of produce, fresh produce. Um, they have like a deli and a coffee shop there. And then they have this crazy big playground with like these huge slides um, that are really cool. And like swings and the kids. Like not nuts. inflatable slides, but like real slides. Real built into the ground. Uh-huh. It's funny. It's like repurposed pl- like plastic uh, tubes. They're not like a traditional slide. Like and you can you, tell. Do you pay for each? It was free. I think wow. you. I think over oh. like peak times, you probably get like a wristband or something. Oh, Wait, where's okay. this at? It's called. <sighs> no, I mean where, where? Farms. Yeah, but where is it? We're gonna look it up right now. We're gonna find it's this thing. I've heard so town. much of it. It's in Jervis. There you go. So on your Jervis. way, on your way to like Kaiser. Okay. Yeah, down that way. Yeah. Anyway, you were there. South of Woodburn. We drove down there. <clears throat> it was a lot of fun. My 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 daughter goes nuts for the animals. They have like sheep yeah, and goats, nice. chickens. She sees any animal, she literally screams at the top of her lungs in excitement. It's really it's really cute and also kind of jarring. Out of nowhere, she'll do it. <laughs> um, but we went there and they they got those little quarter machines that you like get like weird food out of you know it's you know how like you put a quarter in uh, like whatever like a vending machine you get like a gumball oh to feed the animals do you get it to feed the animals and she was eating it herself so that's awesome (laughs) i had to like make sure that she was like you know she was giggling as the animals were like licking it off of her hand and stuff so uh anyways after washing our hands then we we kind of ate dinner and stuff so that was like the last thing that we did with my mom before uh driving her up to PDX, which actually <clears throat> Saturday morning when we were sending her off before we left, we stopped by La Provence, which was mm-hmm. um, a suggestion by you, Cody. That's my go-to. And it was, uh, yeah, in uh, Lake Oswego, which I've never been there yet either, which was cool. I mean, I don't, didn't really go around. You've never been to Lake Oswego or you've no. never been to La Provence? Both. Both. Okay. I don't know if you know this, but I just moved here a few yeah. months ago. <laughs> it's been a while. You can't keep saying that. It's been almost uh, nine months now. That's true. It's been a while. And, uh, it's been a while. Settling in. But <clears throat> anyways, it was really good. Really good uh, breakfast and also, yeah, pretty good fun. So sent s- say, said goodbye to my mom, sent mm. her on her way, and then that was... The highlight of the week, I guess. Mm-hmm. Aaron? What, sending her off or <coughs> bomb and bomb? Oh, snap. You got to be womp, careful how womp, you say womp, stuff. Womp, womp. No, that was <clears throat> that was sad, but it was good spending time with her. She was here almost two weeks. Yeah. So that was fun. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, my my highlight of the week is pretty boring for most, but my I accomplished a personal goal. 
this week, and I bragged about it to these guys, and they're all <laughs> sort of rolling their eyes already. But I shot under par in yeah. golf. Yes. Woo! <laughs> Nobody cares. My wife doesn't care. Audio, I was peaking. You can't, no you can't one clap cares. That loud about golf. You have to <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. Subtle oh, clap. Which came in perfect time, honestly, because my <laughs> next favorite week of the year came the following week, which is this week, and it's Masters Week. So I'm going to be very distracted this week, boys, just letting you know. How dare you? There's a lot of Augusta National and Jim Nance and all that stuff. Yeah. I just I love it. This is the best week of the year right here. Right. Masters Week. Tiger. I mean, springtime is here. Tiger Woods <laughs> is going to play. No, he's not. No, he's going to play. He's dude. not going to play. It's going to happen. Washed up. That guy rises up from the ashes, dude, always, multiple times <laughs> over I heard his again. swing is looking. Amazing. <laughs> Cody's I, laughing I, I at me. Heard, I don't care. I heard from somebody his swing looks amazing. Yeah, <laughs> you heard it from me. Oh yeah, that is. Yeah, yeah you heard it from me because no one cares. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's how my week went. It was pretty, pretty uh, cool, and this week is pretty cool too. But anyway, that's all. I, that's all I really. I'm sure other things exciting happened last week, but that's all I can remember. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. How about you, Cody? Dude, I was just saying I can't remember anything that happened this week. Mm -hmm. I feel like it, it was maybe a busy week though a good normal week i think i think we took the youth group to a blazer game this oh week. yeah, yeah you did. you did was that this week that yeah. was like last a long week. time ago yeah. that was kind of wild well, it was this past week yeah, yeah well your mom came she did yeah, yeah she met us there but yeah i uh i forgot about it i was given these tickets <laughs> uh uh tony it's pretty easy to do with the trailblazers right tony, now to forget about them months ago <clears throat> tony sent me this article that there's free blazer tickets to youth groups and so I like contacted them. They Why gave not? No tickets. one can go to the games. Then right I now. forgot no about them. To. And then so like basically the day of, I was like, oh yeah, did anybody want to go to this? <laughs> and then a bunch of people wanted to go. So it was 15 middle school and high school students in our van and me. And that was it. And we drove to Portland. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was kind of wild, and uh, I'm pretty sure I scraped the top of the van on this parking garage. Nice. I can't confirm. One time I <laughs> was driving a church van, and it got stuck in a parking garage. Really? Like in oh Riverside? Oh my goodness! Yeah. yeah. There's like. Is that the time when Ryan threw you off the right off the no, bus? No, 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 and no. broke your hand. That was a different time. <laughs> That was a different time. We got a few stories to get into. <laughs> we'll get into it another day. Yeah, that'll be a different podcast. We, we literally, episode. we had to have a car, like, bump in the front bumper, like, hit like the front bumper out? to push it back. It was actually, <laughs> it was like, it fit, but it didn't go up the, the ramp to the next level. Like, the ramp to the next level was just a half an inch shorter than the other oh parts. Oh, my gosh. You and scraped it, the whole top? Dude, it got stuck. It wouldn't move. Oh so we, we had someone my. come and like back into the front bumper and bump it down nice. and it got it we got it out we were like dude we almost yeah we didn't know what we were gonna do yeah this one the parking garage at the moda center uh, i always want to call it the rose garden but um they uh the guy that was like directing it like looked at his boss and said something and his boss uh held up you know like his thumb and index finger showing like inches and uh and he was like shrugged his shoulders and waved <laughs> us in and uh and as we were going in the this the yellow bar that hangs mm -hmm. telling you if you'll make it was resting on the top of the car and i was like are we fine and the ladies looked at it and goes yeah you're probably fine and just <laughs> waved us through again and so it was like oh i'm so scared but i don't think it's great Hmm. I told the kids to just think heavy, weigh yeah. down our shocks a little bit. Right. To get us under. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
But other than that, we're going to have to do a, uh, now my interest is peaked though. We're going to have to do like a weird stuff that happened at youth ministry events oh, yeah. episode of the podcast. We got many oh, stories yeah, for I that. Got a lot of those. <laughs> I've got a lot of those. That's a whole separate podcast. Oh, that's another one. Yeah. yeah. On youth ministry. Uh, maybe, we'll maybe it's there. good. We don't actually, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's just, let's just skip into, to uh, preserve our, uh, our uh, reputation. (laughs) Let's just skip into the sermon then. I know we had, we have a question we'll get to about uh, kind of the perspective that you viewed this sermon from, but Mm. as you were, as you were preparing for this week, um, we are, uh, what is it? Mark nine, two through 13, the Mm. transfiguration. Was there something, I'm sure you've heard this story and read this story a bunch of times. Was there anything like brand new that stuck out to you? As you prepared, oh, are you are you talking to me? Yeah, I'm talking to you. It's your you. Uh, you did all the work. I, you know, I think <laughs> like when you approach a passage of scripture from like a certain angle, like this one, I, I said in the beginning that it's not a typical Easter uh, text. Like in the season of Easter, it's not one that you hear a lot of people turn to. Mm. Um, but I was reading through, like just kind of s- rapidly reading through Mark. And I got I got hung up on the conversation after the resurrection that Jesus was having with his disciples, where he said, "Don't say anything about what you have seen until after the Son of of Man had risen from the dead." So there was a connection to me that I saw that Jesus was making with this event and his coming death and ultimately like resurrection, and and I think when you look at the story from that lens it kind of takes on a little bit new life mm-hmm. um and uh sort of we always look at the immediate context what's right around it but then the broader context of the gospel how this connects to the resurrection and i mean maybe that's good practice to think like really every gospel every story in every gospel is ultimately somehow connected to those that end that passion week his death and resurrection and it, w- it was just a good reminder to me that this story is really closely connected to his uh, his resurrection. So looking yeah. at it from Easter was kind of cool. And uh, the road to resurrection to what is the the, the road to resurrection, the title yeah. of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, just thinking through as well. Uh, I lost my train of thought. I know where I was going with this. Oh, thinking about resurrection and Elijah and Moses. <laughs> yeah. Where Elijah, was I going with this? Where was I going with this? Um, I want to talk about resurrection. Yeah. Thinking about <laughs> resurrection and uh, how these guys didn't understand resurrection, Yeah, which kind of goes into what, what we're going to talk about this next week when Jesus interacts with the Sadducees who don't yeah. believe in a resurrection. I think that's one of my favorite parts of the story, though. Is <coughs> he's like, you won't understand until like I die and, and raise again. And they're like, what do you think he means? Well, yeah, what did he mean by <laughs> that? It's like he means exactly what yeah. he just said. But, but they're talking to what did he mean, you think, when he said that? It must be some, you know, another parable or something oh, confusing. Yeah. But the best part about that is that they literally just saw two men resurrected. Yeah. They saw huh. Moses and yeah. Elijah. Interesting, yeah. And that's that was a facet that I hadn't really uncovered before because, again, I was so fixated on this transfiguration experience event that Jesus was metamorphosized in front of them. Um, the uh, Greek word there, metamorphomai, which interestingly I looked up in connection to our series in Romans is the exact same word in Romans 12 
being transformed by mm. the renewal of your mind. Mm. It's the same word. So, so that's what it meant. The transfiguration is a is con- intimately connected to our transformation mm. as Christians into the image of Jesus. Um, but going from one thing to the other, right? I was yeah. this way, but now I'm that way. Um, but yeah, I how these disciples did not understand right. resurrection after just seeing two men raised from the grave, you know, coming back to life uh, yeah. was pretty bizarre. You know, how did they miss that? Um, and and yeah, they, their their confusion must have been extremely frustrating for Jesus. That I don't. I've said it clearly. I have shown you two men risen. I transformed in front of you, <laughs> and you still don't get it. You know, and and to one degree, it it shows and exposes the total and complete blindness of any person apart from the divine intervention of the Holy Spirit opening our eyes, mm. o- opening yeah, our ears to hear and see. Like these guys who were literally right there. It's not about how intelligent you are or about your ability to reason through these things. It's that that's kind of what I love and hate about the Lee Strobel books, like the case for Christ, like how he went on this journey. And it's like, yeah, I figured it out. I discovered it's like, yeah, you did. But at the same time, like God was on that journey with you and you could present all the evidence to a smart person. But without the divine intervention of God you're not going to see those things. And and that's what we see ultimately in the Gospels is after his resurrection, after the Holy Spirit, then then they really understand. Then they're really transformed uh, people. Um, but anyway, those were, those were definitely the two standout things, um, seeing it in connection to resurrection and then seeing that these two dudes were resurrected uh, from, mm-hmm. from the dead, you know, and there they are. That well, he is the God of the living, which we'll get into this mm. next week. Oh, that's Sadducees, true. Which and is he mentions dope. them specifically, right? He, he mentions, mentions Abraham. 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 And I, Moses? Uh, no. Isaac and Jacob. Oh, that's right. You're right. Okay. It's I'm the sorry. burning bush scene. Yes. So it's prior to these, uh, well, at least Moses was there, but. He was alive. Was, <laughs> yeah, but he's speaking about two Moses in the burning bush scene. He's talking to Moses, but he's talking about the four yeah. forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, not and dead, Jacob. But alive, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which we'll get to next week. But I was thinking, though, with regard to Elijah, did he really die? True. That's that's some, those are two things I did not get into in the sermon, mm. which I'm curious what you would you know have to say about that, because we talked a little bit in our life group about it. You know, the the story of Elijah's departure. I yeah. mean, he didn't truly he didn't die, die in the sense that we're, you know, he was taken up by a chariot of fire. Right. And uh and then Elisha was then given the double portion in response to that. What was that like? I think it's Second Kings. But yeah, you didn't get into that. Did you look at that at all, or did you? I mean, uh, you know, it's it's just kind of like why we have this podcast, right? Because there's things you can't get into in a sermon because though it's an important detail, it's not necessarily important to making the main point in thir- in a 35 minute sermon. Totally. Yeah. But both of these men's end were peculiar like Moses it says he did die but there was they didn't know where his bones were right like they had no idea where he was buried all of those kinds of things and so it was kind of Hmm. uh because they know like people are going to make idols out of you know out of these things um isn't that exactly how it says it's at the end of exodus no, 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 I'm sorry. At the end of Deuteronomy. Yeah, that's where he dies, and then but they, he couldn't go and buried him. 
at he, the top of the mountain or something. He couldn't go into the promised land. <clears throat> uh, Moses couldn't. Um, but yeah, Elijah's d- departure was weird because he did not die. Well, like, okay, so Moses takes, or God takes Moses up to the mountain and he says, this is the land which I swore to Abraham. This is uh, Deuteronomy 34. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, uh, according to the word of the Lord, and he he buried him. In God the buried him. Yeah, which is interesting. He buried him in the valley of the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor, but no one knows the place of his burial to this day. So he had a burial, but the site is unknown. The location of Moses' burial was unknown. But this is obviously very different from Elijah. Yeah, but in, their departures were strange. Totally. Yeah. And and the other funny thing about Moses is in verse 7 of that, it says Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated. Mm. Like basically he wasn't like, he didn't die because of old age. Yeah, he was good um, to go for another hundred. It's Yeah, it's kind of like... <laughs> a couple thousand. <laughs> it is kind of like, not that the Lord put him to death, but like, hey, your your purpose is here. Like, almost like I'm taking I'm taking you now. Like mm-hmm. how like how he did with uh, oh my Enoch, right? Right. He he's the old other he guy walked who didn't with die. God and was not. Right. Right. <laughs> it's almost like that. Like God's like, I use you now. I'm taking you with yeah. me. You know. And uh, so their deaths were peculiar. Yeah, and um, that's important too in Deuteronomy because the torch is literally handed to Joshua. Like it's an important, you know, Moses couldn't inherit the land. Like that yeah. was a part of the, so yeah. And then second Kings chapter two, uh, let's see, where did he actually, verse 11, uh, when they crossed Elijah said to Elisha, ask, what shall I do for you before I am taken from you? So he knew he was being taken by God. And Elisha said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And he said, you have asked a hard thing. Yet if you see me as I am taken from you, it shall be so for you. If you do not see me, it shall not be so. Right. And this is verse 11. As they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven, and Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen, and he saw him no more. So Elijah was given that. But anyways, Elijah was taken up in a whirlwind, which mm-hmm. we also see in this portion in Mark, a whirlwind, right? Descend or a cloud, or how does well, the Mark Well, a cloud. It? I think that's more trying to connect you to Sinai. And the glory of God coming down in the form of a cloud and how the glory of God comes down in the cloud over the, the temple and mm. the tabernacle. And uh, but there was another time where this is something I didn't get into in the sermon when this voice came from heaven. Mm-hmm. This is my beloved son. That happened another time uh, at Jesus' baptism. Right. Um, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So the only two times this this event and his baptism are the only two events where we have that experience, uh, which I sat in on Dan Garris's life group this last week. And it, it was something we we discussed because we have conversations or maybe you've had a conversation with somebody where they say things like, if, if God just talked to me, like if I just heard his voice, yeah, uh, you know, then I'd believe. And, and I, my remark to people like that would be, well, what if God talked to you and then you were fully convinced that God is real, um, but I didn't hear his voice? 
what, what would you do? Would you come and tell me, hey, I heard his voice and, and you should believe in him and, and now I'm just supposed to believe your words, right? Like, but you would want me to do that. You would want me to trust that mm-hmm. based on your experience. And, and of course, most people would say, well, yeah, this was not some sub- subjective thing, though it was that too. Like, I literally heard his voice. I'm not crazy. And, and I would say, okay, well, cool. Like, well, what if that did happen to somebody, but it wasn't you and it was someone, it was 2,000 years ago. And it wasn't just one person. It was a lot of people who heard this voice. And on two different occasions, in fact, pointing to Jesus as the beloved son of God. Would you believe? And of course, I mean, that's, you know, when you make those sort of apologetic connections, that level of history separation, 2,000 years, is a long time. Yeah. But when, when you connect it with my experience, if that were me, I would want people to believe me. Well, that's what, that's what these uh, gospel writers want. Their writing of their experiences because they want people to believe that believe Jesus it, yeah. is God, that he is Savior, that he is Lord, and they should put their faith and trust in him and repent of their sin. And But it is kind of funny to think about that in regard to like, man, if only God would speak to me. And well, I mean, he, but he has spoken. Maybe he didn't speak to you in this same way, but he has spoken and it was recorded in his word and it's alive and well today, um, just like it was alive and well then. But yeah, that was a funny thing we talked about in yeah. in small group too. Hmm. How about you, Cody? What did you get? Oh man, I uh, I think this was this was actually kind of interesting. I uh, I've preached this passage before, but it was a long time ago. And what I remember about it was uh, I think it was after Christmas, mm. um, and basically it was at, at a church where I was just a part time uh, worship leader. And it was the only time I had preached at the church. And it was basically like all the teaching pastors wanted the week off. <laughs> and uh, and we, uh, so it was basically just me and a sound guy from the staff. <laughs> and they had this idea to do uh, like only a cross on stage for worship. And so it was just a cross on the stage and we played like worship songs with the lyrics. So no one was there. Only Jesus was the uh, focus oh, of the, of the wow. worship. So you got, you added a little drama. In, yeah. In the worship and I, set. and I remember it was like, it was like you played an MP3. It was kind yeah, it was kind of an idea and also like kind of a way to give, uh, all volunteers, these dudes that, all these dudes that wanted the week off to take the week off. And then I would fill in for everything. Um, but I remember this dude just like wrote on a card, uh, like a comment card, and he just wrote, "What a gimmick!" Ah! <laughs> that was his only feedback. Oh no! <laughs> That's all he wrote. So, and he wow. was a new a new guest. Uh, no, he was a guy who'd been at the church for a while. Dude, I gotta ask. Oh, espresso beans. Uh, Aaron keeps popping this stuff into his mouth and trying to chew it quietly. No, I'm okay. Thank you, though. I was offering him some. <laughs> but he, uh, the first time you picked it up, I could only see half, and I thought it was chocolate-covered pinto beans. Oh, no. Because all I could see was the O, and I was like, what's O beans? <laughs> pinto, pinto beans. beans. No, nope, I've got I was like, this what is, is my... this dude eating? Oh, that's that too would be This horrible. is my guilty pleasure right here, chocolate-covered <laughs> espresso beans. That's a funny memory. But but I do remember the the con- I mean the the content of the sermon played off of that idea of just 
just the cross on stage representing mm-hmm. Jesus. Because I, I always think that that verse 8, and suddenly looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. Yep. Yep. I think that idea, uh, it's just such a beautiful verse of like suddenly you could only see Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like there was all this other stuff and none of it was as important, even though it was like your one of your points of your sermon that Jesus is greater than your spiritual heroes. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I've, I've, I really like, I actually come back to this passage once in a while, just mostly for that thought mm-hmm. and a devotional thought in my prayer life. Uh, you know, that there's with everything that goes on in the world and in my life, good things, bad things, whatever, at the end of the day, like there's only Jesus mm-hmm. and, uh, and it's a, a great, um, kind of more emotional than like logical thought to return to when I uh, want to spend some devotional time mm-hmm. with Christ. That's good. Yeah. I think I, the Elijah Moses, you know, these spiritual heroes from the old Testament in this, in the story, it's really just about fulfillment, right? What these guys represented is fulfilled in Jesus. Yeah. And, the uh, the foreshadowing that these figures had, um, what you'd call the typology, of these individuals uh, were ultimately revealed, fulfilled in the ministry and person of Jesus. And so those things dis- like go away in yeah. the distance, you know, their, yeah. their, their ministry isn't gone. Their ministry is fulfilled. And uh, like their ministry is always there, right? We have it recorded and it's, it has meaning and value, which is what we talked about in Romans a couple of weeks ago. Um, but it, it's not like we need to go back to that. We don't need to keep doing the sacrificial system. We need to, we don't need to keep holding on to these, uh, laws of Judaism, right? We don't need to keep doing that stuff. We don't need a actual temple because we are the temple and Jesus is the meeting place with God. Right. Um, so I think that's kind of the main idea, but as a good preacher point, you know, that for them, these were their spiritual heroes. And, and I think for us, a lot of people look to pastors or, they look to some form of a spiritual leader, um, <coughs> excuse me, to guide them. And uh, and if that person is is molding you more into their image and not into Christ's image, then you can then you're building your life on a shifting foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and we see that more recently in the last few years with you know people who have fallen away, or you know we find out that like obviously Robbie Zacharias more recently where people even made professions of faith, right? Like because of his ministry and, and I don't invalidate those professions of faith. Um, and, uh, actually that's a, that's a Protestant belief that just because of somebody like that led you to faith, just if they like apostatize or something, that doesn't mean your baptism is now invalidated or anything like that. Mm -hmm. You made a genuine commitment to that person. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, um, and like Paul talks about, uh, some people preach for selfish reasons and we, you know, we're kind of amazed by that. That's just such a weird thing to think about, but we do. I mean, you see people making a lot of money or getting famous. Um, there was a pastor, uh, Hillsong, New York pastor that (laughs) I, I didn't, I actually thought was always kind of crazy. Um, and yeah, it, it, it was so obvious, you know, that there was, he had mixed motives. He wanted to be a celebrity. He didn't just want to reach celebrities. He wanted to be himself a celebrity. 
and and uh, the the slogan was make Jesus famous. It's like okay, make Jesus famous, but you kind of want to get famous alongside him, right? It's kind of like James and John, right? Well, and are you under the impression Jesus isn't famous? Right. I mean, what, like, how many people do you know that don't know what Jesus is? Yeah. Maybe they don't know the whole depth of the story, but like, pretty much every. I mean, it, it, he's used as a swear word. He's so common. Right. <laughs> you like use? Yeah. It's it's uh, it, it's totally revealing that statement. Um, what they what they really want yeah. their selfish reasons make Jesus famous like me like me this <laughs> is what I'm fame fam- looks like because I'm, I'm cool famous, famous so let's also make Jesus famous because I'm famous among all those who are famous but anyway <laughs> yeah then that guy screwed up and uh, and then all these people are devastated their faith is like oh my gosh I really trusted this guy and it's like okay but like I aren't you following Jesus first you know um, and I I was hoping to bring a little bit of that out in that point. And, but, but I mean, that guy was an obvious to me. There's been other guys like Ravi, like others where you're just sort of blindsided. Like I, I just met with a pastor a few weeks ago and he was being discipled by a guy. He was a, a professor at a local seminary here, had a great reputation for 30 years. And at the end of the day, you know, it all came out like that the guy's basically a narcissist and he had a whole other family down in California. And you're just kind of like, is, is this real life? Like, uh, the guy basically built a church and mentored all these people. And now they're leading an effective church without him, but you're sort of, your whole world gets turned upside down, Mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, when things like that happen, and thankfully this guy I was talking to had his faith in Jesus, Yeah, but still, when the guy that you trust, you know, uh, that discipled you and mentored you, uh, for many years, you know, does that, it it can be very discombobulating. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, anyway, yeah, it was something to that was about. my experience when I first became a Christian in the small church I was at, it was very close, tight knit. And there was some big cult of personality type stuff mm. happening. And there was a number of young you know, people who had professed faith in Christ, but when things sort of went one way that they didn't like, it was pretty clear that they were not Christians because they completely denied the faith, sadly. And I don't know where they all are now, um, but I've seen that, yeah, in my own life. And it's pretty easy for that to happen because the person that we know is right there in front of us Mm. in a physical sense and our, in our fleshly sinfulness, it's easy to, to grab onto the temporal person who, you know, is right there walking with you and lose sight of the eternal creator, you know, Christ. And uh, I think that was a good reminder to us. And obviously they, this is one of the questions I had too. We were kind of throwing this around in our life group as well, as Peter is sort of sticking his foot in his mouth as he often does. And you mentioned like, he talks about building tents Mm. and uh, you know, because he's wanting to like, is he saying let's live here, let's dwell here with you guys. Or is he saying let's worship you in the sense that these tents are like the tabernacles and they're like, I was curious in your study or, or, or thinking throughout this, because you kind of alluded to the fact that he was at the very least saying Jesus is sort of on the same level as Moses and Elijah. Right. Isn't mm-hmm, that kind of mm-hmm, one of the things mm-hmm. he's saying? Yeah. But is he saying like, let's dwell here on this mountaintop or is he saying let's create places of worship here? Uh, I didn't, you know, in the commentaries I read, I didn't see a lot on that. 
And I think probably because the initial like jerk reaction is, is places of worship. Mm -hmm. Um, even a commentary I'm looking at right now, it's, uh, well, it's the same word that you would use for like a tabernacle or right. a place to dwell in. And the fact that there's the, the, uh, the presence of this glorious figure there and they're up on a mountain. The, these men knew the Bible, right? They knew their old Testament well. Yeah. And so they're reading into this story and they're going, this is like a recreation of Sinai. We're right. there again. Mm-hmm. And so let's build a tabernacle because that's the next thing you want to do. Right. Um, so I, I definitely would think the immediate reaction would be a place of worship, you know, not necessarily like houses to live in, you know? Yeah. 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 I was thinking the same, the same thing, but honestly, I don't even think Peter knows what he's saying. He's terrified. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's what he says. Right. Yeah. But either, I mean, even the like houses to dwell, like the tabernacle tent, was a place for God's presence to dwell, mm-hmm. right? The right. People. So I mean, the, he is kind of saying, "Let's set up a place." It it could be a worshipful place. I mean, it could be both and. That's right. Everything yeah. in the Bible kind of is both and. No, I think that makes sense. I think that it's makes sense. Standard. It doesn't have to be a hard like one way or the other. Yeah. But the, I think the point that you made, which I think is a good point, is Peter is is somehow equating Elijah and Moses and Jesus in the same ballpark and worthy they're not of even worship. close yeah, yeah worthy of the same kind of worship yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and i think that's the a big danger um and i think that's what is interesting is when <coughs> when they're when they're gone and jesus is there again alluding to the verse that you were referencing cody is important it's like no and and obviously god clearly breaks in and says listen guys mm-hmm. don't be don't be stupid yeah like this is my son listen to him yeah. yeah, it reminded me of that parable that Jesus tells about uh, the landowner, and he's going to send representatives, right? Mm. And and these people keep killing those representatives. Yeah, <laughs> and and then the landowner's like, okay, I'll, I'll I'll send my son. Surely they will not kill my son. It sends the son, and they treat him worse than anybody else. So in this, and they kill him. The, in this story, it reminds me of that of like. These guys are just servants. But then, you know, the master is like, this right here is my son, though. It's not like Mm. a servant of the house. You know, this is my son, my only son. And he's the one, the the heir of all that I have. Mm. Um, So it's definitely making a distinguishing where, like, these other figures, they were just another, right? Another patriarch, another representative, another prophet. Um, and what God in this voice coming out is saying is there is no other. It's just Jesus. Yeah. The, the people I'm sending that were pointing to this, this son of mine, that those are all over. And that's why the importance of John the Baptist or the, the reference to Elijah later on, where he says the Elijah did come is the ministry of Elijah. The ministry of the prophet has ended at John the Baptist, he was the last one mm-hmm. that prepared the way of the Lord um, and made his way straight, right, by declaring his his coming and things like that. He was the and greatest prophet. He's the greatest prophet because the he was the last in the one. kingdom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is an amazing. It, it reminded me of he, the opening of Hebrews, right, where he says, "Long ago, many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, mm-hmm. right, or the law as mm-hmm. well. But in these last days, He has spoken to us through His Son." And then right. Hebrews continues to basically be a treatise on how Christ is the fulfillment of 
mm-hmm. all of the shadows of the past. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what's happening here in this in this like lived out dramatically. Christ is being elevated to above those two things and and rightfully being placed as the fulfillment of those things. And yeah, yeah, I so. think I think the other thing too that kind of took me when I thought about it was when you connect it to the cross like this glorious transfiguration and then you know not too long later right he's hanging on a cross and uh unfortunately i should have talked to melody before (laughs) my sermon because she was like she was telling me this morning she was like i was listening to this part when you're making that connection and how he went from the transfiguration to disfiguration Mm. and i was like gosh that'll preach melody uh that was that's a great point you know and and that's essentially what this text is doing right they're helping them to see hey you've seen my glory you've seen what lies underneath (laughs) i'm not like most people um you can trust me that what's going to happen next i've got it figured out yeah uh and and it's for your good and for my glory you can trust me and of course they were all, they were so blinded not by their misbelief or in their unbelief but in their misbelief right they mm-hmm. believed in something else they believed that Jesus was going to restore the nation of Israel as it was right in the past and i think yeah. we as christians often do this right like we want to i, I mentioned this in the small group uh, like how we always want to go back to some day of yore, you know, we want to go back to some like greater day of like, you know, if we could just go back to the 1950s when everybody just had like one car in their garage and we just, you know, played baseball and ate burgers and uh, had ice cream on the weekends and, you know, whatever, whatever. Like they have this idyllic dream of this is what, the kingdom of God would look like, you know? And it's like, that's not the kingdom of God. That's the American dream. Yeah. That's what mm-hmm. that is. And you are settling for something less than what God ultimately wants to do. Cause then there's others who would say, we just need to really ultimately get way back to Eden. That's where we need to be where everything's awesome. Perfect relationship with everything. It's like, yeah, we do need to get back to that. But, but even what God has planned in the future for Christians is even better than Eden. Because in Eden, there was the potential for sin. In the future, there is no potential for sin. It's all been wiped away and mm-hmm. done with, um, paid for by the blood of Jesus. And so we're not, as Paul would say, forgetting those things that are behind and looking forward to what is ahead. Because what's ahead is way better. And and I think that's kind of what this story is showing, too, of like whatever you guys want, this king, this kingdom that you guys are looking for is is so small and what you're willing to settle for I'm not willing to settle for for you and for my glory and for the for the for the salvation of so many um, I'm not here just to save Israel I'm here to save the whole world through Israel because yeah. um, Jesus ultimately is the true Israel of God right and and the church is uh, for those who are united to him um, but anyway I think that's another good like application point for us is how often we settle for less than what God would want for us, you know, and how as C.S. Lewis, we're all too easily satisfied. (laughs) I'm surprised you, you titled your sermon, the weight of glory, but I didn't use the quote. You didn't use this (laughs) quote, man, which I always, I just, it's a great quote. Love this quote. Read it, Rob. 
Um, which, yeah, this is from The Weight of Glory. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. Yes. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, which is basically this picture of heaven. We are far too easily pleased. Yeah, I gosh dang it, Rob, I should have put that in my sermon. Mm-hmm. How would I? I love the quote. That's such a good one. That is, is a great a quote, one. but I feel like I've used it like five Probably times in have, the last yeah. few years, but whatever. <clears throat> but <laughs> yeah. I should have used it again. But it's perfect. It's exactly the point that you were making, mm-hmm. and it, it definitely yeah. worked really well. But in light of that, probably is a good place to bring up the question that we got from. That's what I was thinking as well. Yeah. Yeah. So you've been talking about what the disciples learned from this and what we learned from it. Uh, Dave Howard, he's our chairman of the elders. He submitted a question. He was wondering um, if uh, the the main reason was uh, for the transfiguration for the disciples to benefit from learning from it, or if possibly the main reason for the transfiguration was to encourage Christ in light of what was coming. <coughs> Um, and the in light of the coming reality of the cross, reality. I forgot of to the use cross. the word reality. Yeah. Rob's favorite word. Oh, stop! I, and so I don't, did under, you con- I don't understand the question. Are you so, saying is this scene for the disciples or for mostly for Jesus? Yes. So that's the question, or or both. He did he did uh, uh, contend yeah. that it could be for both, but he was more wondering. And I I jokingly said, well, my perspective was this occurred so that I could learn something from it. <laughs> it's all about you. <laughs> it's all about yeah, us. That's what it's it seems like. But <laughs> yeah, I, you know, that is a, at first I thought that's a pretty obvious answer to that question. Yeah, is there a significance for Jesus himself? This event, did it, did it bring something to Jesus that maybe he needed for what he was about to face? Well, I, I think so. I, I think it is, I think it's mostly for the disciples. Um, yeah, but and I, then us. I would agree in the sense, for one sense, that he chose three specific disciples, like the his three closest disciples, um, and so obviously he didn't bring he didn't bring everybody, so obviously he didn't have to bring anybody, but he brought three on purpose. So hmm. uh, assumingly, he he needed some witnesses to tell the story, or he thought they would learn something. Um, so that's one clue, but I think. There has to be significance for Jesus too. I mean, he's well, anytime yeah. God speaks directly to him. I mean, Jesus submitted to baptism, which is kind of what this this echoes that True. the Spirit descending and the voice from heaven. You know, all of that uh, happened at his baptism too. Yeah, I, I like. I don't think you get that from Mark's account of the story that okay. this is for Jesus, but I do think when you look at Matthew and Luke's account because in in luke specifically it says and behold two men were talking with him moses and elijah who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure which he was about to accomplish Mm -hmm. at jerusalem so that one gives us a clue about what jesus chatted with what was the content of the conversation yeah the content was about his soon death right which he already talked to the disciples directly about at least in mark in the earlier verses, right? Eight, uh, chapter eight, verse 31. So now these guys basically get to be a fly on the wall for a conversation between Jesus, Moses and Elijah about the soon departure of Jesus. And so whether or not they're 
encouraging him about that or if they're instructing him about that or if they're just having a debrief meeting hey we've already talked about this but uh hey this is remember this is what's going to happen again or again maybe that scene though was knowing that these guys were flies on the wall yeah and so again it wasn't necessarily for jesus but for these disciples um yeah i think i think predominantly it was for the disciples themselves to be a part of it because he took them right yeah hey i want you guys to come with me there's a lesson to learn right And then this thing happens and, you know, they're able to be a part of this conversation and and then they get to walk away and and know about that, you know. And yeah. it's not coincidental that Peter <coughs> becomes one of the major leaders of the early church in the early parts of Acts. Mm-hmm. And then then James later in Acts 15 is seemingly heading the council in Jerusalem. Like these yeah. guys end up being oh, for sure. the some of the primary leadership of the early church. Um, and then, of course, John and his vision of the revelation and all, yeah, you know, oh, yeah. like John has an, a, a huge impact on the church. These are these are guys that we see. And no doubt you would imagine it's it, some stems from this a little bit. <laughs> they, they had this kind of uh, calling upon their life that Jesus saw fit to bring them into these kinds of situations because he mm-hmm. knew how he would use them in the future. So that could be a part of it. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And and I think to that, too, like. One of the fe- thing I, I I mentioned about how Jesus isn't your buddy, like he is your friend, right? But like we see this in parenting, right? Parents want to like be friends with their kids, mm-hmm. and they lose that position, right? The parental authority because they're too busy being trying to be friends with their kids. Yeah, I'm and one they, of those cool dads. Yeah, I'm a cool hip dad, right? <laughs> what movie is that from? Mean Girls? Mean Girls. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a cool hip mom. And, uh, you know, you do lame, cheesy things in order to be cool with your teenagers. But I think we do that because we like to neuter the glory of Jesus. You know, mm-hmm. we want to bring that down. And I think in this, like, we should be terrified to some degree, right? We should have some... Yeah holy reverential fear of the glory of God. And I think that is that is transformative to encounter the glory of God. And I mean, when when Saul was on his road to Damascus and encountered the resurrected Lord, mm-hmm. it was not a, hey, mate, how you doing <laughs> experience? You know, this was like fall flat on on your face, face in the dirt, blinded. Uh, and then this authoritative voice, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then he instinctively ascribes to him the title Lord. Who are you? You know, it's uh, it's it really is an experience with the lordship of Jesus. And I don't I don't think the the whole language of Jesus is my friend. Jesus is my buddy. Is uh, oh is nice, you know, but it's not true. Uh, so anyway, I think that comes out in this passage too, a lot like this. Yeah. The human Jesus, he'll, he'll hang out with you and you know, you'll hear him burp, you know, like that's what, <laughs> that's what he's doing. He's a human being, right? He's hanging out with these guys yeah. and just being a person. But Hey, underneath there is a glory that you guys have no ability to, to really comprehend because you've never seen anything like that before. And, uh, yeah, he had to sh- reveal his weightiness mm. to them in this moment. And uh, I, I would imagine they probably never really saw him the same again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how could you? 
Uh, yeah. But anyway, you, yeah. You did say something that I think you're explaining now where it's like you said Jesus is greater than we often want him to be. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of like, mm. is that kind of what you mean? Like we kind of like the idea of having a Jesus that we can have control of. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. and when I say we want him to be, like we want him to fulfill our desires, mm-hmm. right? We want our our uh, will to be met, not his will in our lives. And um, he's not the genie that we go to in order to fulfill our wishes, you know? Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Um, but he, but I think my next line was, but he's everything we need him to be and more. Mm. And yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What an amazing passage, though. It is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was a little intimidated by it, to be honest with you. And I guess if if you don't approach this passage <laughs> with a little intimidation, then you're there you probably not reading it right. But it yeah, is a that's little... the point you were making. <laughs> it is a little intimidating. But, the but I mean, ultimately, this is a... It's kind of in the middle of, of two bookends about his death. And so this glorious story is about how that glorious Jesus went to the cross and yeah. died in our place and rose again. And uh, we, we've, we've been joking, for those listening, uh, that we should have done the, the, new, the newer song, Behold Him, mm-hmm. um, this last week after thinking about it a little bit more because we often have this big picture of God's, you know, sometimes of distant from us, uh, unconnected with our our broken realities, but he is very connected. This God who was in heaven came down and uh, experienced our pain, our suffering, our shame, and our death in order that we might have, have life. And I think that's a big part of this story too. Yeah. Well, uh, let's uh, let's start to wrap it up. Is mm-hmm. that cool? Our volunteer of the week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Our volunteer that. of the week is Michelle Adame. Whoa, 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 whoa. Aaron suggested nepotism. I, don't know if they I got didn't no, suggest they got nepotism. No fight or something before this. Or? Trying to earn points, no. Aaron? <laughs> no, she's been kind of aloof from no. me lately. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Not at all. No, we uh we thought of Michelle uh because we just had a uh women's uh, what do they call it? Co- Women's coffee fellowship. And fellowship. Yeah, coffee huddle. And fellowship. They Just drink huddle. coffee. They fellowship. Uh, somebody shares a testimony. Somebody teaches from the Bible. Uh, they have worship, um, and Michelle really heads up. Uh, you know, takes the uh, a big chunk of planning and leading mm-hmm. that uh, that ministry. Um, as well as a lot of the women's ministry, mm-hmm. right? She's kind of our go-to person. Mm-hmm. Is that, am I saying that correctly? Oh, no, for sure. Yep. And she's got a team of other ladies around her who are supporting her and they share insight and ideas and yep. um, take, you know, roles of helping out in the different ways and stuff yeah. like that. But yeah. But Michelle also as probably um, a, a lot of pastor's wives end up doing, does a lot of random stuff too. She <laughs> is an official kids ministry volunteer also um yep. but it seems like she's always getting ready for something yeah. and well she helps out every and, thursday running and getting cookies for something helps out every <laughs> thursday for in our uh, yeah, kids ministry in our kids ministry um and if you've been around the church for any number of times i'm sure michelle has walked up and uh you know had a significant conversation with you because she's a very caring person who you know cares uh about 
shepherding the people of this church just like you know her husband does mm-hmm. um and so she's a, a person that we all love having around um yep. just because she's very encouraging and and very helpful yeah yeah I don't no, know. Do you want to add cool. anything to that, Aaron? I mean, I could. But we, don't, <laughs> we don't have an hour. We don't have an hour. Uh, that was that was well played. Yeah. <laughs> oh, all the things I could say. Oh, all the things. <laughs> Go on and on. Yeah. No, awesome. I, we appreciate her. But yeah, so if you see Michelle around, tell her she's the volunteer of the week and thank her for mm-hmm. the uh, cool stuff she does. Thank mm-hmm. her for putting up with Aaron. Oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, man. I played the Bible trivia theme song over Rob's good joke. Yeah. You say it again, Rob. You heard it. I just said thanks. Thank, thank for showing up with Aaron. Aaron. That's yeah. true. She has. She's That's stuck like, by me through uh, hard times. That's maybe her greatest ministry. That's it really oh, yeah, is. the ministry of perseverance, <laughs> for sure. All right. Here's your Bible trivia. You ready? Oh, yeah. Elijah was in this story. Oh, great. I got some Elijah okay. trivia for you. Where was... Elijah from I don't know you're gonna be mad Israel you're gonna be <laughs> mad hold on you're gonna be I'm gonna mad because because it's so easy if you don't get it yeah you're gonna be mad that you didn't get it what is the first letter what does he mean? it's like a city you're looking for a city yeah yeah because yeah. he's Elijah the it's like what he's referred to as the prophet oh no. no, that's not a city, Aaron. Uh, <laughs> hold on. Um, it starts with a T. I don't T, know. T. It's just a stab. It's you a got stab. me. You, it's, it's Tishba. He's Elijah the Tishbite. Yeah, you didn't know that? He's a, it's like what he's, he's called. The he's the Tishbite, dude. Oh, my God. <laughs> I did the not know that at all. Oh, I did not man. know that. Totally done. You, I mean, got you'll, me. You'll see it when you next time you read it. You'll be like, oh, yeah, Elijah Let's the Tishbite. The Tishbite. I nope. should have just gone back. Oh, that was man. a good one. That, that was, was a stumper. He's the Tishbite. Here's the other one. I was actually going to do this one. <clears throat> Elijah has this famous interaction with God. Oh, where yeah. Where God's not in the stuff. He is. Where God's doing what? He's, he's not, not in the in, stuff, not in the wind. In not the big in the, things. Yeah. He's in the gentle whisper, right? Yeah. yeah. And Quiet I was going to ask, where did that take place? Oh, man. It's a mount. Horeb. Yeah, is it Mount yeah, Horeb? Yeah, Mount Horeb, yeah. which is also Ayo. Mount Sinai, Mount which Sinai. is like, you know, right. Moses. That's why I thought that wouldn't be too easy because oh, Moses got the Ten Commandments. Is that so the like, same place the where he mocks are, the gods? Is that the same place oh. where he calls down fire from heaven? No, that's against the uh, the prophets of Baal, but I don't remember where that was. That's but a I great that was story. That's yeah. in a, <laughs> like a like a valley that's a great story yeah. where he's mocking the gods yeah, he's, he's like, like oh, maybe your maybe your god's on the toilet <laughs> 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 that's so good when he's done maybe he'll come do some stuff see cody you should have asked that one that way it makes us look really good and we're yeah. funny we, no no get, keep bringing these stumpers the I tish bite like dude the tish bite e- each somebody, week somebody listening was immediately like oh dude, he's a tish bite. i know exactly who it was Jeannie Iman. Because she texts us. I knew who it was because she does. I knew it. An amazing Bible student. (laughs) And she gets us every time. Thank you for listening to this on Sunday episode of the Canby Christian Church podcast. For more information about Canby Christian Church and its ministries, visit canbychristian.org.